I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to See Also. I'm Brody Lancaster. And I am Kate Jinx. Hey, BL. Hi, Jinxie. This is now a footy podcast. Oh, it was always going to happen, wasn't it? It's inevitable. You've made it. You've joined me. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I did attend my first ever, first ever football game. Uh, I went to the AFL in Melbourne and the MCG had never been to the G before. I believe that's the cool way to say it. Isn't that a great stadium? Um, yeah, it was a fine stadium. It was yeah. very large. It's really big. I have no concept of like how many people fit into anything. It's like the one thing I, I'm good at sizing everything up except for people. Like once I took my nephew to see the XX in the domain and I came home and Zoe, my partner, was like, oh, like, how, like was it crowded? Was it big? And I was like, yeah, there would have been like, I don't know, like maybe 10,000 people there. And she was like, I think it fits about 60, but okay. Like, <laughs> Well, in Melbourne, they they love to use the size of the MCG as a measure, there as was, a measurement. There was a record crowd yesterday, 71,000 people. Huge. Anyway, it was fun. Yeah. I had a good time, except so I, I went because my family was in town from Sydney and mm-hmm. they wanted to go to a Swans game. So it was Swans versus... Collingwood. Collingwood, the pies. Um, and I sat down and texted Brody. I texted GBL and just said, which team least sexual assaults? Because I couldn't decide who I was going who for. for. And Brody, you said this once. Yeah. Well. As far as we know. As far like publicly, the Swans have the least. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, okay, well, I'll go for them then. Like what a low bar. Someone yeah. coming into a, a sport, the sport with like no knowledge. Yeah. I was like, yeah, their colours are good. You know, I like a swan. Yeah. I mean, that, we I'm love from Collingwood Sydney. in the north. So like could be Collingwood. No, it can't be Collingwood. Yeah, I was like, Collingwood's, Collingwood's got like Chibi and. <laughs> Darcy Moore, the captain of Collingwood. I saw it Chibi once, so I told you he was a regular. I'm just assuming he is. All right. Well, I'm not going for them. Were you there for the singing? I missed the singing, except that, well, they, the Collingwood team sang at the end. Yeah. And that was fine. I got to, I took for granted that Jinxie had never been to an AFL game before, but also never engaged with anything about it, including the fact that there is singing involved. I had no idea. Yeah. I have studiously avoided all all the sport yeah. <laughs> until now. I am a winter sports person. I love the Winter Olympics. AFL is a winter sport, babe. I guess it is, but, you know, 
I like a little <laughs> alpine look. You like a little, <laughs> you like an apres. I do like an apres. Anyway, it was fun. I guess I'm going to do that now. Well, I got into for the first time, I went and watched like local footy a couple of weekends ago and I had a really good time. Cute. Um, because in winter in Melbourne, when it's a cold day, but the sun is out, there's fucking nothing I like more than being outside. And Brunswick Street Oval, I went and watched the Lions, but like a local women's team. Um, and this is a rec for you. A C also for you is to get around the VAFA. I don't know if they say VAFA or something, but the Victorian Amateur Football Association. And there are games played all over the friggin' city, all through winter, every weekend. That is cute, but I think I need a bit of the like pomp and circumstance to like you know commit but also i really want to go see some women's games well yeah this is a little bit of we can go see women's games next i feel like women's afl is oh what do you mean it's finished it's not on now no this that's a community footy women are playing right now but you gotta wait to see the professional women till later in the year the professional women don't come out till later (laughs) in the year oh okay well yeah i want to see the professional women yeah apologies real dodge there's none to see at the moment (laughs) What else did you do with your family while they were in town? Any uh, highlights? Mm-hmm. We did some like classic Melbourne eating. I mean, like the weather was shit the whole time. Like it was yeah. so cold. It was Arctic and raining nonstop pretty much. So it's Melbourne. So like, you're like, well, we'll go and eat really well. Yeah. Um, Sit by a fire somewhere. Not be in Sydney. It's very, very opposed to Sydney. Exactly. I took um, Top Chef and my dad to the Marquis of Lawn on Friday afternoon for a beer, which was lovely. All the boys. Went to European. I sent my sister and brother-in-law off to Embla. We went to Hutong for dumpling, you know, like hitting, hitting the spots. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah. And then had them all over for a lovely Saturday lunch and cooked for everyone. And then my niece stayed over and had a slumber buddy and we watched some movies. We did a double feature of Romeo and Michelle's (gasps) and uh, Bob and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Stop. That's pretty good. Like that's a good aunt thing to do, right? Yes. That's such a fun auntie thing to do. So that was like a, it was a cute time. It was a really cute time. What about you, Bill? You've had like... Quite a big weekend that I was very sad not to be able to take part in. Yeah, I. it was a nice weekend. It was also an exhausting one. I have just been like at, at like empty energy levels, the like post-COVID, post-post-chest infection. So boring to hear someone talk about being tired, but that's been my life. It's been fucking onerous. Is that the word? Onerous? Yeah. Exhausting. Anyway, um, and I've been like cancelling plans a lot, which is not my favorite thing to do. But I dragged myself out of the house last week. It's powerful to say no, Bill. <laughs> no is a complete sentence, okay? Um, I've been We're saying a lot of bitches. Like, I've been saying a lot of like, sorry, I can't tired. Um, but I did go to the opening of the Melbourne Writers Festival. On Thursday night, I want to say, um, and there was like a bunch of you know stakeholders, councillors, ministers, etc., talking for ages. The big wigs, uh, yeah. But then there are the people that everyone came to see, including Warwick Thornton talking about his new film with Kate Blanchett that's premiering at Cannes this week, next week, next week. I made a mental note to be like Jinxie. Are you going to see it? Oh, I'm going to be there. The new boy. I went with uh, Emma Straub, my dear friend who is over from New York for the festival. And so I was lucky enough to host a panel with her on Saturday morning. Um, I heard it went very well. It went really well. It was also with Gabrielle Zevin um, and they know each other and love each other's work. And so my job as a moderator was so easy and it was like a gorgeous crowd an early Saturday morning, and then I just went with my friend Sinead and watched the footy, sensing a theme here, mm-hmm. at a pub afterwards at the Lincoln, and um, was home by like 6 p.m. and then just sat in my bed ringing people on the phone and talking for like three hours. Very sweet. And then I went to bed. That's very cute. Really cute. And then Sunday cancelled all my fucking plans and just sat in bed reading a book and 
I felt like I got away with something. I'd been planning to go and see The Watermelon Woman at Acme. One of my favorites. I've still never seen it. And so I have to seek it out again now because I missed the screening. Um, I'd bought a ticket as part of that goddess series that's happening at Acme. And I really wanted to go because I obviously I know The Watermelon Woman is a is an important film in the canon. Um, but also it's like one of the only films in that program about women's representation in cinema that's like directed by a woman. Um, and so I, I mean, they've still got my money. I paid for the ticket. I just didn't go. Um, but yeah, stayed home reading all day and I, yeah, it was a real treat. I get you a copy of the Watermelon Woman because you can must see it. Oh, my God, thanks. Also, I was very excited because it was name-checked in Yellow Jackets this season. Yes. Yeah. Lauren Ambrose. Yeah, in Van's video video shop where no one knows what a VHS is. Cheryl Dunyay. I was like, okay, this is a good ref. Thank Look, you, Lauren. You know how I feel about Yellow Jackets, but I have been hating it less. Lauren Ambrose is such a good dupe, for want of a better term, for Liv Hewson. Australian L- actor. Liv Houston Dupe. Liv Houston Dupe. Uh, Liv Houston, who is not putting themselves forward for uh, Emmy nominations because there is no, there are only kind of binary categories, which oh, is really interesting. interesting. Made a statement about it last week. That reminds me of, this is side note, that um, the Brit Awards this year for the first time had like non-gendered categories. Oh, oh no. Was it all just men? Yeah, it was all men. <laughs> that is what I do fear. It's I the have fucking to say. fear. Yeah. I do fear. The yeah. one category that you know is not going to be all men are the best actress. Yeah, yeah. it is. It, yes, I do. I do. I mean, there's got to be a way. There has to be a way. But I just don't want it to. We all be. knew it was going to happen. It's like, who, yeah. did, who couldn't have predicted that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, I went and saw a movie on Friday night also in the city. Because she was busy, Bea. I know. Maybe that's... I like how I list all these things and then I'm like, I don't know why. I just wanted to stay home on Sunday and read a book. I'm fucking tired. What did you see? I went and saw Infinity Pool. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. What was it like? Oh. 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 All right. I mean, it's fucked up. That's what it is. If you have trip trypophobia, tryptophobia, that fear of like clusters of small holes... There are some like I'm sorry, what? Yeah, it's a thing. What do you mean clusters of small holes? Like the image of clusters of small holes. Like um Give me an example of what, where I might like see what, you know those seed pods that are like big circular pods. Oh, like a lotus. Yeah, and okay. they're, and they're all just holes. Some people see that and get like I think like an itchy feeling or like throat closing oh, up, like kind okay. of claustrophobia almost. Like an existential dread or something. Yeah, I think so. Oh, that's bad. Years ago I had to Google. Sorry for laughing. That's okay. Years ago I had to Google it for someone because the the horrible thing is that when you Google it, you just see example images <laughs> that might freak you out. <laughs> yeah. um, and so a friend was like, can someone tell me what the internet says because it triggers my trypophobia to look it up. Um, but, yeah, there's some freakish masks in Infinity Pool. I've seen the trailer. Yeah. Uh, that movie, there was a point early on where I was like, Brandon Cronenberg doesn't have what his dad's got, but then I think maybe he does. <laughs> I've heard really good things about it, but yeah. not – yeah, I don't know. Look, hmm. I was worried at the start. Or I'm not worried, but I was like, this isn't like spooky enough. Like it's not giving me anxiety in the way that I want a horror movie to. Mm-hmm. And then it gave me way too much anxiety and I wanted to like climb out of my seat. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I Because I like Mia Goth. She's incredible. But I couldn't watch Pearl because it was uh, the only chance I've had to watch it was on a plane and I started watching it and then I became so self-conscious about watching <laughs> a Die West film where I was like, I know that she has sex with a scarecrow in this. I yeah. know she does. Yeah. I don't want I don't want the kid in like 3B to look over and <laughs> see this. I don't want to be someone's like formative trauma. <laughs> No, I don't want to give them trypophobia or whatever it is. Yeah. No. Well, I did say to someone yesterday, like, do not see Infinity. Don't don't ever, if it happens this year or in 10 years, never watch Infinity Pool on a plane. Okay. It's not not a plane You do not want anyone peeking over your shoulder. (laughs) There's stuff going in. There's stuff coming out. It's fucked up. Okay. Yeah. I have been, because I'm watching so many films right now, so I've been needing like a visual palette cleanser. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just been watching so much SVU. Um, 
But like I talk about this a lot with my partner that like, why do we love SVU? Obviously ACAB, but um, it's sort of like this utopian dream where like cops care about assault. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like this is actually like a lovely show because they really care. They're really trying to get the perp all the time. Yeah. They like believe you. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So I've been watching so much of that. I season like- three, season four are just like the two of the best seasons so many good uh cameos oh my god what hard and fast what year are we talking season three and four not sure okay it's when like a long time ago yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. um i don't know i don't know when it started me neither i feel like we've always had it for you it's existed my whole life (laughs) totally totally yeah i've seen all of them so many times but i can still Slip right back in there. I know people who did this during lockdown. Like I also did it in lockdown. Was it you? I'm thinking of when I say people. <laughs> I know people. Yeah, I watched so much of it. I'm not going to be able to watch any SVU when I'm in Cannes, so I'm making up for lost time before I go. Oh, you're not going to have anything to watch over there. No, nothing, nothing <laughs> at all. I've been trying like not to buy too many things for my trip to take, yeah. to wear or to bring. To wear, mm. it's. T- it's tough because you, you have like, to dress up sometimes. So you, you really got to dress up, but also it's like you're spending 90% of your day in the dark. Yeah. But the other 10% is spending a queue. So, you know, people be looking, people be looking and well, you, not really, but you know, you hope that they do. You are in the South of France also. So like <laughs> hotel to cinema commute, you want to be chic. You want to be chic. You yeah. got to be chic. You simply must be chic. I got this, I remember getting this um, text message really late one night and I was at Between Films last year when I was there and it was like an invitation to like a really big after party and <laughs> it was like my friend had just said, are you, would you be ready to go like right now? Are you like frocked up? And I was like, I don't know if I'm enough frocked. Whoa. Uh, have you frocked? Yeah, I don't think I was frocked enough. I didn't go. I went to see another film. You got frocked up. Yeah, I should yeah. have been more frocked up. Well, that's also a good thing to know going in this year that you need to be ready to frock out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally any, frocked up. You need to be able to emerge from a cinema having seen something like mental on screen and be ready to go and schmooze. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so I'm, I'm off uh, in a couple of days. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Um, you'll be there by the time this episode comes out. Yeah. Try to tell you that last year I was there and I got suddenly so worried that I had COVID. I didn't, but I had used up my, like what I thought was my last test that I'd taken over. And it was like, no one was no one was doing tests over there. They anyway, were very say lovey about the whole thing. <laughs> truly were. Anyway, I went to like a um, bio market and the marché, and I bought what I thought was a COVID test, and I got it home, and it was a pregnancy test. <laughs> Oh, c'est la vie. Yeah, c'est la vie. <laughs> anyway, not pregnant, so that was good. Not pregnant, did have COVID though. <laughs> no, but didn't, didn't give it to the baby. <laughs> no, thank God. <laughs> what else, Bill? I did an interview recently for a story that's going to come out soon, I think. I've still got to write it. But I profiled a recent also, Ethel Kane, ahead of her shows in Australia. She's coming to Melbourne for Rising, coming to Sydney for Vivid playing in Brisbane, playing at Dark Mofo. I'm pretty sure all of these are sold out. I don't know why I'm listing her tour schedule. Um, Anyway, I'm doing like a pre-plug for that because I think our next episodes, we've got a poodle coming up next week. We do. We've got a week off and then we'll be back for our post-Khan catch-up. Yes, we should say what our poodle is so everyone has a chance to re-watch or watch for the first time. If you're watching it for the first time, I envy you. It is, of course, but I'm a cheerleader. Iconic. It's our root. It's our root. <laughs> Seminal. I hate that word. Because it's about semen. Semen. Yeah. yeah. There's some of that in Infinity Pool. Another thing that we'll probably be talking about then is a book that is just about to come out, I think. It's Deborah Levy's new book, August Blue, which uh, I love her. I love her book so much. So I'm very excited to take that on the plane. And it's my first Deborah. I can't believe it. That's so good. My first dive into Deborah, and it's, I'm doing it with you. Lovely. Beautiful. 
the cover is lovely and beautiful. Mm. Lovely and amazing by Nicole Holson. (laughs) (laughs) If you're not already, please make sure you're following us on Instagram at See Also Podcast. All our also's and links and everything else you need are over there every week. Were you a big Judy Bloom fan growing up, BL? I feel like only when I got older did I realize that she was so kind of universally loved and uh, important to people's childhoods. I don't know that she was that for me so much. Hmm. I was always aware of her work and absolutely read are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. And I think Deanie and I think a few others, but they kind of all just like merged together into like a childhood vague memory <laughs> for me. But I know you were. Yeah, she was a big deal for me growing up. I loved all of her books, but there is a new documentary about her that just sort of slipped quietly onto Amazon Prime, which was like it got no, not much fanfare, right? Yeah, I feel like Judy's been in the zeitgeist because of the um, Margaret film. Um, that just came out is coming out. I it's feel like- out this weekend in the States. Yeah. Okay. And there are like many other adaptations kind of in the works, but yeah, Judy Bloom forever, this documentary by Davina Pardo and Leah Wolchok. Yeah. landed on Amazon prime. I don't know if I would have watched it if you hadn't recommended it, but I'm so glad that I did. It like brings together fans of hers, like kind of famous people who have been influenced by her writers, filmmakers, Spends a lot of time with Judy herself, but then also like people who grew up writing letters to her and having these like pen pal relationships with Judy. Yeah. Like what a, like, you know, I have read interviews with her from time to time and obviously loved her books, but I, I kind of didn't realize how truly cool she was as a person. She is just the coolest person. She's like an 83 year old gal living in Key West, Florida. And she's like, fucking punk she's fucking punk she's got her own bookshop she employs all these people that she gives all of her belongings to she (laughs) yeah all her employees are like i sleep in her old bed yeah that she probably masturbated on and then she's like yeah i would have it's like oh my god judy mama it's so good because she was recently in the news because she's been interviewed quite a bit, I guess about this film, but also about the film that's come out. Mm. And um, yeah, she got taken kind of out of context very recently. So she was suddenly in my Twitter feed a lot. She made a comment about JK Rowling and a lot of journalists, particularly in the UK, of course, um, really piled on, and was like, see, she's a turf too, basically. Like, she's a transphobe. And so Judy had to make this statement. Oh, my God. And so she put up this, like, a note, you know, screenshot. Um, Judy she, Bloom notes up. Oh, <laughs> yeah. She said, I wholly support the trans community. My point, which was taken out of context, blah, 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 blah. I stand with the trans community and vehemently disagree with anyone who does not fully support equality and acceptance for LGBTQIA plus people. And then the kicker, anything to the contrary is total bullshit. Oh, dude. We love it from our 83-year-old queen. She is such a fucking queen. And, yeah, she's be- she has been in the news a lot because of all these reasons. But I think part of it is also because of this, like, the, like, moral right kind of resurgence in the U.S. The documentary talks a lot about how the influence they had on her public kind of image in like the 1980s, um, you know, in this kind of like Reagan America where an author just helping children to understand themselves better was being cast in this light as if she were like a groomer and a pedophile and all of the things that we had hearing a lot again Mm -hmm. recently. Um, And so Judy also, because she runs a bookshop now, she, and it's in a place like Florida where there's this don't say gay bill and like, you know, it's kind of, she runs this bookstore that highlights banned books and very proudly sells banned books. And I think like draws attention to herself in a way that highlights how ridiculous all of this stuff is because she's like, you were trying to do this to me in the eighties it's happening again. Like she's, she's lived long enough to see these cycles of 
outrage yeah build up and then fade away and i'm sure they'll come back again yeah and she like sells all of the banned books and like keeps it like a a full bookshelf just for them yeah and um she in a recent interview she was saying that uh she she was like recommending genderqueer by um, maya kababe is probably the number one banned book in america right now and i thought this young person is telling me how they came to be what they are today and i learned a lot and became even more empathetic that's what books are all about (laughs) judy gets it judy just fucking gets it she's also done writing books she's not writing any more books she's not writing any more novels long books because she wants to be in the world. She's like, I don't want to be inside at my desk. I want to be out in the world. There's a lot of footage of her riding around Key West. I love that she's like, I wanted to settle somewhere new. And we went to Florida and we thought, this is the place, Key West. It does look quite chic. It does look quite chic. Pretty fun. I loved that this doc um, really, because I didn't know actually know that much about her life. Me neither. And uh, I really liked that we kind of learned about her um, like not conservative, like youth, but how she said that there was always, she was a good girl with like a bad girl inside. Yeah. Um, but how she got married and had kids and she was just like the housewife, but mm. she always wanted to write books. And then I didn't realize that she came to writing those books so late in life and that she did because like her husband was like, well, you can do this, but like only if the house is looked after and the children are looked after and there's dinner on the table. And then after that, you can do it. Mm. Yeah. And he also used to make these kind of these jokes that would like downplay what the work that she was doing. And, and he never read of one it. of them. Never read them. Mm. And like, this is the father of her two children. I say children, they're in their sixties now. <laughs> like Judy's been around. Um, but yeah, she's, she speaks about him with respect, but also she's very fairly critical, I think, because he would kind of talk down to her, talk down about her in public and say, oh, all I need to keep Judy happy is stacks of paper. And then she just like potters off and does her little writing. Mm. Yeah. And so then she married a second time. She kind of had this like, she was inspired by like the women's rights movement. She wanted to go out and be like a gal about town. Had her second marriage. Whirlwind romance. Yeah. That did not last very long. No, it did not last long. And then she, this is the, I think the first point in the documentary where I cried. She, um, after that marriage ended, she kind of decided maybe that's it for me. You know, I've got this really successful career. I've got my two children. I've been married twice, but maybe like a, a love for the ages just isn't in the cards for me. And she was like, 40 when this is going through her head and then she met george george and she's 83 she's been with george more than half her life they're having a great time i just cried i cried so much because i was like george a is so gorgeous and so supportive of her but i was also like life is long yeah it's like the most feel good doc i have seen in so long and also she is really politically active oh and she's, she's so right on. And so all of these different topics come up throughout the documentary. And, yeah, it's just, like, the sweetest thing still. It's so comforting that she has been on the right side of history. Totally. For 83 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am so unfamiliar with all of her adult fiction. I know. We need to read some, right? Like Summer Sisters. Wifey. Wifey. The covers of those books in the 80s. Oh, my God. The long loopy Y with like a wedding ring like spinning on the end. Yes. Speaking of the covers, though, the modern versions of Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, that they show in the dock are absolutely fucking heinous. (laughs) They have the they have the title in blue like text message bubble. Mm. I, yeah, no. Kids can relate to things that aren't text. That's I hope so. I really fucking hope, no, so. I hope so. I was crying when uh, they were detailing some of her pen pals. So all these kids, like real little kids, would write to her because they didn't feel that they could talk to anybody else. And I think that they felt like they were talking to another kid, basically. And Judy would actually keep up these extremely long pen pal ships. Like, I don't want to give too much away about it because some of the scenes are very touching. But, yeah, you do see, as you mentioned, BL, that like that some of those kids are now fully grown up and they're in the documentary. And just that she 
had her two kids to raise and she was writing these books and was very successful and wrote like a lot of books. Mm. Like she was writing constantly. Constantly. And still managed to like kind of mother these other kids who really needed it, who really needed some kind of outlet and like sort of parental guidance in some way. I just, I mean, busy, 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 busy. She chose busy gal on the she, go. She's such a girl boss. She chose a few of the letter writers to kind of keep in contact with, but she was getting like 20,000 letters a month <laughs> at certain amazing. points in her career. And as you were saying that, Jinxie, it, it really made me realize how galling it is for these parents of America to kind of accuse her of somehow like uh, affecting their children negatively. She's fucking parenting. I know. They're kids. She's parenting their fucking kids. Yeah. I know. The fact that she can speak about, she was writing about like sexuality in such a frank way and writing about bodies and periods and like, you know, like it's, I don't know. What a remarkable lady. She's remarkable. That's it. High praise for, for that documentary, Judy Bloom, forever. Absolutely. I've got a couple of see also's. Just Judy's been on the publicity tour recently. Um, she spoke with Terry Gross on Fresh Air. The focus of the interview is pretty squarely on the banned books debate and the kind of conservative movement coming for her work. So highly recommend. But then she was also the opposite of that. She was on Watch What Happens Live recently with Andy. <laughs> and um, he does bring up the um, the kind of Harper Lee unpublished manuscript. Oh, mm-hmm. And she said she has many, many unfinished books in her kind of, I don't know, archive or house, whatever. Um, but she's written her kids a letter for after she dies saying if they publish her unfinished manuscripts after her death, she'll come back and want them. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I've only got one and that's just to follow at Judy Bloom on Twitter because she is real good value on Twitter. What a delight. What a delight. See also book club continues (laughs) this time. With a book, not a documentary. Um, the new Curtis Sittenfeld book, Romantic Comedy, I recommended a couple of weeks ago in my Also Also's. And I've been waiting for this one to come out for quite a long time. Finally got my hands on it, tore through it in two days, and I'm dying to talk about it with you, Jinxie. Yeah, we haven't talked about it at all together. You had an unfortunate introduction Yes. To the book, you were spoiled. I was listening to How Long Gone, and um, the last thing you would imagine would be uh, either of the hosts to um, talk about a Curtis Sittenfeld novel and then just completely reveal the ending. Every single plot point right up until the last ones. (laughs) And uh, I was like, I was walking my boodle and I was really struggling with the leash and I just could not turn it off fast enough. I was like, oh, God. Anyway, so I knew what was going to happen. Um, in the end of the book. Um, is this going to be spoilery? Should we do the spoiler noise? I don't think I'm not planning to be spoilery, are you? No, because I don't want to, I don't want to do it to no, somebody else. No, we won't do it to someone else. I'm <laughs> going to talk about how I kind of broad feelings about the ending, but I'm not going to say what happens okay, at all. Okay, good. Me too. Me too. Okay, great. So, yes, yeah, so I went in with in this into this with like a little more trepidation, I suppose, because I was like, yeah. But... I also tore through it. But so, I don't know, should we talk about, like, what it is? Yes. Okay, so the main character of romantic comedy is Sally Mills. She has been a writer at a fake version of Saturday Night Live, a long-lasting late What's it called, night- the Night Owls or something? The Night Owls. TNO. Not it's funny right. how they constantly, like, at, oh, at the TNO offices. And you're like mm-hmm. The girly show on 30 Rock was better. <laughs> um Sally has been a writer uh, on the show for like nine seasons. It follows a week in her life at the show when the musical guest is also the host, which has happened, you know, many times in SNL's history. I'm just going to start calling it SNL. Let's just call it SNL. Um, When the musical guest and host for the week is a musician called Noah Brewster. Brewster. I completely forgot his last name. He's like, dreamy used to be a kind of pop singer now is making kind of like more serious country adjacent like guitar music maybe he's kind of just like beautiful handsome dates beautiful women 
has long, gorgeous brown hair and is like a dream on paper. Like this guy has no faults. He's no, no faults. He's nice to everyone. He's willing to be silly in the show. He is, you find out later, kind of goes to therapy and is really like, you know, centered in, in himself, has a shitty relationship with his family, but that's not, it's never his fault. Anyway, he's great. And so as the title suggests, it's a little bit of a Notting Hill-esque setup. Normal woman, famous man. Normal woman. Normie woman. Her whole identity is like, I'm normal. This doesn't happen to women like me, mm. which is fine and, you know, real role. But the kind of context for them meeting is that two or three men who are like, let's be real, Colin Jost and Pete <laughs> Davidson stand-ins <laughs> are publicly dating and in the tabloids or married to hot out of their league, famous actresses or pop stars, or like, let's say Ariana Grande and uh, let's just say. Scarlett Johansson, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Sally kind of kicks things off as the writer of the show by pitching this sketch where Noah essentially goes on a date with a quote unquote normal woman and is like arrested. And like, that's the setup for the sketch because he's broken the rule that only like dud men can go out with like dreamboat women. Yeah. And then like, you know, it's kind of a meet cute situation and they are flirting throughout the period. And we find out that Noah is yeah, actually a budding comedy writer and like wants her help. And she's just kind of extremely flattered, but also like, well, he's not into me because he couldn't be into me. Basically doesn't want to believe that the chemistry she feels is actually what is happening. Mm. But that also means that she treats him kind of as a human being, which I guess doesn't happen to him very much. And so they spend this week in each other's vicinity when he's rehearsing his musical numbers for the show. She feels like he's singing to her and then is like, is this really fucking happening? Um, It's all really well drawn. I love Curtis Sittenfeld. She clearly is obsessed with SNL and like knows it inside out. I was kind of reading this first section of the book like I hate myself for saying this, but kind of unconsciously fact-checking it against everything I know to be true in Mm -hmm. like what happens in the week of SNL. Oh, it's heavily researched. Yeah. Like one of the first see also's for romantic comedy is the acknowledgement section of the book where she just <laughs> lists every single SNL book she has read or yeah. like documentary she's watched. Yeah. She also has like- It's um, like a starter pack. She talks about their YouTube channel where they have the like making of the yeah. show, which are also really great. Highly recommend also. Um, but yeah, I think she like interviewed anonymous recent- like cast members as well, just to like fact check some stuff. So not to go through too much of the plot, but they spend this week together. There's a connection and then the connection's kind of broken really suddenly because of something she says. And then cut to 2020 when we're all stuck at home all over the world, Sally in like Oklahoma in her stepdad's house and Noah in his mansion in LA and there, there arrives my favorite trope in novels, the email exchange. And Is it your favorite trope in novels? I love when people write letters to one another. See, I find it really dull. And when it got to that section, I was like, oh, no, how many emails am I going to have to read? Look, I did start skimming some of the emails because they were really long. But I loved it. That's the thing. Like, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I really loved that first third. Yeah. Because I couldn't stop reading it. And uh, and then I loved the emails. I I loved it. I couldn't. I was sad when they finished. I like an email trope or, like, a texting trope in a novel because it's someone like sometimes they're really short and as they are kind of as these gather pace and it becomes more like a dm or something but for the most part they're just like long impressions that you get from the author of the book of like how these characters see themselves you know like the way they write the way they think that's a good way of putting it so much in their voice because when people have conversations in like quote marks in a novel often it's couched in like not being perceived the wrong way or wanting to say the right thing or missing a joke or something whereas the emails are all just like long stretches of how they feel 
Yeah, maybe it's just that I haven't seen it done very well, but I really love Curtis Sittenfeld's voice and tone and she completely nailed these two characters that I really did like I felt quite bonded to them, I have to say. Mm. Um and and from the emails it does move into a third area which I don't think we should really talk about too much. Yeah. But it does involve COVID and the pandemic in a way that I was like, no, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to read about this. It's the first thing like capital A about COVID that also takes place in 2020 that I think I've read or consumed. Yeah. I don't think I've actually read any fiction that includes it very much. Like it might be a fleeting thing, but like, I don't really, I don't really like seeing it in film or television because you're kind of like, we just want to move on. Yeah. Like, a people having to like travel and account for a pre-vaccinated public <laughs> when they're traveling yeah. in like mid 2020. Look, she got the like terror of that time really accurate. I'm sure it was probably written around then. Who's done it quite well in film now that I'm thinking about it is Claire Denis. Her last two films have featured kind of covid things. Oh really? But, well, yeah. Like uh, stars at noon is a bit more covid in one part but uh, Both Sides of the Blade or whatever that film is called with Juliette Pinoche, it had like three titles. That's why I can't remember the final title. But the characters just wore masks when they were outside. Mm. That was kind of the extent of it without anything more, which was fine because you're like, oh, I get this, I understand it. But, yeah, I didn't want to – I just – I didn't really want to read too much about it. No, totally. Do you know who's been doing it not great is the COVID storyline is – the first couple of episodes of the new season of The Other Two, which just came out on Binge. Oh, I haven't watched it yet. It's a show I really love, but I, the first two episodes, are, the laughs are scarce. Mm. It, the, the only show that I've seen that has done it really well is The Good Fight, a show that I love, and they had a whole season, and it was actually done super, super well. Mm, okay, good to know. Okay, so Chapter 3 moves into more of Notting Hill territory, Um, And, yeah, I guess we're not going to say too much about what happens from there um, when the characters kind of start interacting more. But, yeah, it's kind of three sections and an epilogue and then the book is done. And I guess just to speak kind of broadly about the ending of the book, I felt it was rushed, like it got there really quickly and I would have preferred – 50, 100 more pages just to kind of spend a bit more time with these characters as they kind of like kept going in their lives. Um, And it made me remember that Curtis Sittenfeld kind of did the same thing with Rodham, her Hillary Clinton. Like, I never read it. It's, I mean, it's heaving. I read it in 2020 and it took me ages. But Curtis Sittenfeld's done this thing in – Um, many of her books, they're kind of, um, historical fiction. So her book eligible was adapted kind of a version of Pride and Prejudice, American wife drew on Laura Bush's life. And Rodham is like, I guess like the origin story of Hillary Clinton, if she had never married Bill and dating Bill kind of getting into politics, all of that stuff is like so much time is dedicated to all of it. And then by the end, it's like, do you want me to say what? Yeah. Okay. So the like historical fiction version of this is like by the end, it's like, and then she beat Donald Trump and then she won and she was president and like neat little bow on that life, like skip, skip, skip. And so that book came out in 2020 and like four years after the reality of Mm. that election happened, it just, it almost felt like too far gone to be wish fulfillment. It just felt like a fantasy that was so disconnected from any kind of like possible life. Yeah, that is a bit is a bridge too far. Yeah. I think with this one with uh, romantic comedy, I I just like I love the journey, I love the chase. I don't love the mm. I don't know, not the finality of the ending, but I don't know, as soon as things start to get a bit real, I got I, this sounds like I'm in therapy. This is not how I feel about <laughs> life or relationships. But um I don't know, like without giving away anything that happens in that third part, I just, as soon as the, I don't know, like as soon as it becomes like, oh, something could really happen or maybe it won't really happen, I was just kind of like, oh, I'm out a little bit. Mm. I don't care so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I always, like, I always watch things like The Last of Us 
for example. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why can't these two characters just like have a nice day? Why can't we just see them? They found a cabin. Why can't they just stay in the cabin? These people seem nice. They're looked after them. They don't have to get to the next destination tonight. Like just spend a day, just like take a day for yourself. Yeah. So I watched that and I'm like, just have a nice time. But then in this book, as soon as anyone's having a nice time, I'm like, no, we need the next thing. Like I want the kind of, the, drama of it yeah it was it's not a it's not a hugely like plot driven book by the end um and what you were just saying kind of reminds me i've been reading i went to my third emily henry book in like two months okay is she the like she has those two books that are very similar in title is that her they're on the shelf behind me i'm gonna maybe i'll make, have you describe the covers because i think you're okay, gonna hate all them. right i think i might all right Oh, they're bad. I would never pick those up. <laughs> they're oh. bad. These books, uh, if you haven't seen them, they are like... I don't take them in public. I only read them at home. <laughs> they're like... They look exactly like airport reads. They look like children's books. They're very candy coloured. And I don't know. Like, I know that they look like... Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> I feel like... In this one, people fuck in a river. In this one, they fuck in a basement <laughs> and then against a bookshelf. And in this one, they fuck on a balcony. Okay, I can... I'm not picking that up from anything. They look, absolute, they look like v- books for virgins. <laughs> they look like absolute <laughs> books for virgins who cannot even drive the, those books. And, like, I'm thinking about back to, like, a, like you know, the books of, like, my mum's. Because they look like vacation reads. They look like beach reads for sure, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking about, like the books that my mum would sometimes take on holiday. And I, all I can see is, um, Jilly Cooper's polo, which was like way more sexy than anything <laughs> like that. And they probably got the same amount of sex, but it was like a woman, I think in like white jodhpurs, like on the cover with like maybe a hand on the ass. Mm, okay. That's anyway, I'm just saying like, we know what that is. Yeah. 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 But that, that looks like fairy floss unicorn bullshit. Yeah. And like the plot only exists to get you to the part where they fuck. And then it gets you a little bit further to when they're like, I love you and will forever. And then it kind of skips ahead and gives you like a little bit of their future. And I'm talking about the Emily Henry books here. Um, But by the time they're kind of like together, I go, I want to, Spend more time with you guys now that you're not just like pretending you hate each other or pretending you're platonic friends. Like I want to read what your relationship is. Sure. So those books are like they're fun and good, right? Yeah. And I'm just being an absolute bitch who's judging a book by its cover. Oh no, I'm I'm You're judging them. <laughs> I, I love them, but also I'm doing the exact same thing because I'm like <laughs> They're so pulpy. And like I said, I don't want to take them out in public. Oh, God, yeah. I remember I was reading, like, the Sarah Waters books, like Tipping the Velvet and Fingersmith, and they had such... Dis- Sorry, Fingersmith? Fingersmith. They had the most... This dis- is a lesbian <laughs> romance called Fingersmith? Yeah, historical lesbian romance. And um, the books, the covers were so gross that I just, I recovered them. Like they were my school books. Like I was in year eight. Cause I was like, I don't want to be seen on the bus with these. Yeah. 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 They're just, they're deeply uncool. I think is also so the thing. Uncool. The Curtis Infeld romantic comedy cover is great. Oh yeah, it is great. But there is a sex scene in it. No spoilers, but there is a sex scene. And I thought it was, I didn't like it. I didn't like it either. I don't like it when a writer is like, and then they were inside me or something. You're like, yuck. Yeah. And also like the, um, there's a bit where she says like, he says something like, I didn't want to jump the gun or something. And then they both acknowledge his erection. Oh, and she's yeah. like, I'd love to jump the gun. And I was like, what? Oh my God. It makes me want to get rehymenized. These <laughs> sorts of things. Deeply cringe. <laughs> Yuck, yuck, yuck. Jump the gun. Jump the gun. I thought that was gross. All right. One thing we need to get out of the way, Jinxie, is who was there a real life celebrity in your mind when you were reading like the descriptions of Noah in romantic comedy? John Mayer. Yeah. Was what who I was thinking of. But the his music I have to say I'm not too familiar with. 
Who is the bo- Your Body is a Wonderland? That's him. Okay, then I think it's him. Yeah. There was a moment when I was like, is this more of an Ed Sheeran type? But Ed Sheeran's <gasps> no. not very... I was trying to think of a polite way of saying not very attractive. He's not a heartthrob. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, apologies to the woman in India who sang that song to me, who definitely thinks he's a hot job. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, this person has really bad lyrics in the Making Love in July is his big song. Well, that's kind of it, you know, like. Um, like your body is a wonderland is such a deeply gross song. But it, it's the equivalent. Right? Yes. Like, um, is that I, who you thought? Well, kind of. So I I cracked the spine on this one while I was waiting to see Bo is Afraid. And I happened to post a photo on my Instagram of because I was alone in the cinema at 10.30 in the morning seeing the movie. And I was like, anyone else reading Curtis Sittenfeld before Bo is Afraid? And my DMs were filled with people saying, how was it? How was it? How is it? How is it? And I was like guessing whether they were talking about the movie or the book. Um, and one of my friends just immediately before I'd barely gotten into the book was like, do you think it's Maya? And so I had him in my head from the start, shout out to Greer. Cause she essentially was like, I think it's John Mayer, but with a better reputation. Um, because he's seen as a bit of like a Lothario kind of dirtbag, um, bad boyfriend historically, Dear John, etc. Um, Dear friend of our guest, Nomi Fry, though. Close friend of Andy Cohen. Anyway, um, he, John Mayer then became my reading soundtrack. So I often will like kind of listen to the same <laughs> album or albums while reading a book. You can listen to lyrics while you're reading? Yeah. Wow, wow, that is a superpower. I cannot do that. Is it? I can't do that. Well, then I was like, hey, it's been a long time since I've listened to John Mayer. Like I was kind of into him when I was like 15 and I thought it made me really cool to love music for squares or whatever. No, Room for Squares was his album. (laughs) It is music for squares. It is music for squares. Um, And Noah is not John Mayer because he's perfect. Um, but yeah, I did. I mean, one of my see also's for this book now is John Mayer's 2021 album, Sob Rock. I can't do it, Bill. Kate, it's called Sob Rock. I'm not, I can't. One of the songs on it goes like this. Why you no love me? (laughs) (laughs) Why you no love me? Why you no love me? (laughs) Is he trying to do some kind of like Rasta thing? He's just asking why you no love him. Um, but it really, it's a, besides that, it's a really good album and it did connect to the part of the story in romantic comedy where Sally kind of dismisses this guy as like a cheesy pop singer and has him do a sketch where he's like a cheesemonger because get it? His songs are cheesy. Also has sketches are not funny. Okay. Um, SNL sketches are not funny. Ex- yeah. <laughs> You're right. Um, but she only knew his pop hits, like his your body is a wonderland. Mm. And then she goes digging for new stuff. And I feel like she finds his sob rock. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it. I, I did like that the sketches in this, I could really see them on SNL. Yeah. Like I could really, <laughs> really see them. Um, and I kind of liked that. Like they were very realistic. Like she's obviously watched so much SNL and like done so much research into the writing process, the pitching process. Um, but yeah, there was so much in there that I was like, yeah, I could see that on an episode. It's not very good, but I can see it. Yeah. The ones where it's like one idea and then it just goes on and on and on. It's less, less <laughs> funny, mm-hmm. but it didn't get cut for time. Didn't get cut for time. No. So like, even though I didn't really love where it ended up, I'd have to say I really enjoyed this book. Oh, I ate it up. I wish that I could read it again or a sequel or a Basically the exact same book but with different names swapped out for the characters. Yeah. All right. I have a couple of see also's. Yeah, same. You've probably got more than me because I know that you actually genuinely love SNL in a way that I don't quite, though I did used to hire all the best of SNL videos (laughs) for like a lot. Yeah. And I've seen more than my fair share of SNL and genuinely have loved certain people and sketches. However... Um, I could recommend We Killed, a book called We Killed, The Rise of Women in American Comedy, A Very Oral History by Yale Cohen. came out a couple of years ago, and I feel like this is very much in the Curtis Sittenfeld wheelhouse of research. It runs from, like, 
the earlier days of like female writers, comedy writers like Elaine May, to Lily Tomlin, Carol Burnett, Gilda Radner, my fave, Whoopi, uh, you know, Sandra Bernhard, and Garofalo, and then kind of finishes, uh, does the whole Tina Fey section, and then kind of finishes at like Ellie Kemper, Aubrey Plaza. So I'm sure there'll be like a new version in a few years with um, the new cast members, but that's pretty good. Um, I mentioned it before, but just another plug for Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> Which is stars and was written by Kristen Wiig, SNL obviously, and Annie Marmolo, uh, who co-wrote Bridesmaids with her. But it's just been put on Stan. So I feel like this film never made it to cinemas, quite infamously, because I think they thought it wasn't going to do very well and so it got pulled. Can you program it at Miss? <laughs> oh, God, if only. Um, but, yeah, look, I genuinely love this film. I think it is so stupid and so fucking funny. Like... My, it makes me laugh like Spy with, with Melissa McCarthy, yeah, like it's that unreal. level. Anyway, so that is on Stan in Australia, so you can watch it now. Uh, and my last one is, if you can track it down, Gilda Live. Uh, Gilda Radner's live show came out in 1980. It was directed by Mike Nichols, and it's just like a joyous a joyous time. I've never seen. It's so good. I'll give you a copy. I love Gilda so much. I only have a couple of see also's apart from Sob Rock. Um, <laughs> I mentioned it uh, ages ago last year when we did our episode on, I think it was our Warhol episode. We kind of talked about oral histories that we loved and um, Live from New York, the SNL oral history by James Andrew Miller and Tom Shales. I read it about 15 years ago. And so I think I'm really due to get my hands on one of like the updated editions now. Um, and the only other see also I have is for the film Don't Think Twice. It came out in 2016. I saw it at South by Southwest that year and it was directed and written by Mike Babiglia, um, starring Keegan-Michael Key and Gillian Jacobs, um, but also like some comedians, comedians like Tammy Sager and Chris Gethard. Um, and it's all about this improv troupe that's very much based on a UCB improv troupe. And one of the cast members gets cast on their equivalent of SNL and kind of makes it big while the others all are still trying to and like jealous, but also trying to keep their like underground thing going. It was a really great movie. I never saw that. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's available. I just <laughs> put it on my list, but, um, a hey, Gilda live is not very available, but yeah. <laughs> whatever. But yeah, Curtis Sittenfeld's romantic comedy is available and you'll just like clear your schedule. It is time for also also is where we recommend other things to each other and to you. What's your first one, BL? My first one, I've mentioned it before and this is probably the last time I'm ever going to mention it because it's almost over. It's a TV show, Barry. I, it was an also also last year when season three was on, but it's ending in like three weeks. There's only a couple more episodes of Barry ever. Um, the most recent episodes, they had like a big narrative kind of not twist, but like a real shift in the timeline of the show. And I'm fucking hooked. Like Mondays are for succession, but mostly for Barry for me now. Um, it's the best show on TV and has been consistently for all four seasons, all written, directed by Bill Hader. And there's a really incredible profile on him that just came out in the New Yorker written by Rachel Syme, um, where he kind of talks about his weird winding journey to be this like essentially like an auto filmmaker but on tv right now <laughs> and he just took the weird snl route to get there uh, yeah i because i'm watching season three at the moment i don't want it to finish either um and i i um have been re-watching those clips of him from like his snl character of the party boy stefan stefan <laughs> and do you know what some of the jokes really are not for 2023. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> but I really love when he's describing one party and he says it's full of puppets in disguise. And then he's asked what puppets in disguise are. And he's like, you know, it's like when Alf would wear a trench coat out of the house where he's not recognised. It just it sounds so stupid. My God, that makes me laugh. Anyway, what's your first also also jinxy? Uh, my one is an Australian focused one. Uh, it is that SBS Movies, which is 
free films in Australia streaming uh, have just added six Agnes Varda films that are really, really hard to see, mm. at least in Australia on streaming. So I don't know how long they'll be up for, but I really recommend uh, tracking these down. They've got Cleo from Five to Seven, uh, Vagabond, Lion's Love and Other Lies, La Pointe Court, Jane B for Agnes V, and um, one that is just so hard to get a copy of, which is One Sings, The Other Doesn't. Uh, anyway, they're all on SBS On Demand at the moment. Oh, my God. Hot tip. Mm-hmm. Thank you. My next one is a bra also. And I'm sorry to give the woman a shout out. She doesn't need our business, but the Skims Naked Scoop <laughs> Bra really is fucking outrageously comfortable. Um, Speaking of hot women who have dated not so hot SNL people. Accurate. Oh my God. This episode is on theme. Um, I looked up what it's made from, but I don't understand how 70% nylon and 30% spandex can be so soft, like buttery, soft, very stretchy. But you know how sometimes when you have like a stretchy bra, it sometimes like gathers up or twists or folds Mm. as you move and then it ends up like pinching or pulling this does not i've learned that the the bit that goes under your arms is called the wings of your bra and that does not shift at all which is something that happens to me with a lot of bras that i wear it comes with foam pads like take those out it's my it's my house it's my house bra and it's so comfortable it goes up to like a 4x i think it's not one of the ones that they seem to stock at David Jones in Australia if you're a in-person shopper. Um, but yeah, I bought it from Skims online and it's, it's unreal. Hot tip. Hot tip. My next one is a bookshop in Portland, Oregon. So this is for our friends, listeners in Portland and visitors to Portland. Wow. It's High Books. It's H.I. Books. It's a newish store. They only opened quite recently. It is in the historic Sovereign Building in the Cultural District. Uh, and it's run by two really old friends of mine, Fawn Gayweiler and Jeff Yarbrough. They are like artists, photographers, cat owners. They are lovely people with absolutely the best fucking taste on earth. So this is a bookstore that you need to get to. This is like destination bookshop. Mm-hmm. They sell like art objects, etc. They only ship uh, in the USA at the moment. Um, they say that they're going to do international soon. But anyway, put it on your travel list because they have got the best stuff. The best stuff. But yeah, like you'll go to Powell's, but then make sure you go to High Books as well. Oh, love that, Jinxie. My last one is a follow also. It's the Instagram and TikTok accounts Lucky Dragon Supper Club. Um, I, they're run by a person called Steph, who I believe lives in Sydney. And the recipes are just amazing. Like to watch her whip up some noodles or some congee or cookies. I recently made her like miso sesame cookie recipe and took a little bag of them to the movies when I saw air last week and uh, gave them to my friend Porkchop. And then he texted me later and he was like, damn, these cookies are good. Um, And I follow her all across socials. I think she's starting a website soon to post all her recipes, but until then you can just find her on Instagram and TikTok. Um, I'm looking forward to making her Oyakudon recipe. And she's also got like cheats versions of congee and laksa. So you can kind of whip them up when you come home after work. Oh, yeah. Yum. Lucky Dragon Supper Club. Okay. This sounds good. My last one is like a bit of an admin also, personal admin also. Mm. It is just going to the doctor, getting a referral. I just want to remind people that if something's feeling weird, either like in your body or in your mind, it is really good to actually just take the time out, like tell your boss you're going for an appointment, whatever, and just go, just make the appointment. The hard step is making the appointment, as we all know, but I don't know, like I've been feeling weird about something. I finally went to the doctor. I'm getting it all sorted. I'm feeling really good about it. Mm. So I'm just saying, actually bother to take the time to do it. Mm. But, like, just do it. Just get it done. Get it done. Get your bits and bobs sorted. Get them sorted. Your bits and bobs have been bothering everyone. (laughs) (laughs) 
Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. As always, please pop over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a little review and a rating while you're there. You can try to figure out which one was written by my sister recently. Um, <laughs> that's a fun game to play. <laughs> little surprise I had when I went to check on our reviews on the weekend. That's cute. Yes, follow us, please, at See Also Podcast. Get in touch with us on Instagram. That way is the best way. And uh, tell your friends about us. Please recommend, share it on your story, put it to Maine, whatever you want to do with it. Uh, thanks, as always, to Samuel Hodge uh, for our imagery and Harvey Sutherland for our original theme music. But also a reminder that you need to watch But I'm a Cheerleader before our next episode. And then the week after that, we're taking a one-week break. Yeah, we'll see you after that. See you on the other side of Khan. Baby. Bye, Jinxie. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.